Phil, come and speak to us. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> so, slight confession. First time, I, I had no intention of ever working for a church. Just so you know, I wanted to be a musician or a footballer or anything, maybe even an astronaut, but definitely a musician. Um, and the first time I ever spoke publicly, I was working in a school in India. Uh, for six months, I volunteered in a school just after university. And <clears throat> we did some school assemblies for a school just down the road. And it was my turn, so I went. And um, no, actually, it was in a school assembly in our school, that's right. And I had to go and I had to talk about my favorite Bible character. So I didn't really have a favorite Bible character, so I thought I'd make one up. Not an actual character, I just decided I would choose a character rather than make a, like, create one that didn't exist. And so I just thought, well, Barnabas sounds like a good guy. He sounds like an encouraging guy. I like people who are encouraging. So, so I talked about Barnabas and how he was my favorite Bible character. Anyway, a week later, they have another assembly, another member of staff comes in to speak about their fable, favorite Bible character. And um, so before, the, the teacher said, well, who can remember what Phil, we would be called, I was called Mr. Phil. Uh, you can call me Mr. Phil if you like. So they, but that, that, who can remember what Mr. Phil spoke about last week? And there was like just dead silence. Until about half a minute later, some little boy puts his hand up. And they said, yes, can you remember what Mr. Phil's favorite Bible character was? And this kid went, uh, Barabbas? So that was, that was my first entry ever into public speaking. So I'm hoping it's going to be slightly better this evening. So we thought we'd show you a couple of pictures at the start. So uh, first, oh, or, or the song. So we thought we'd show you a little pic of our church plant. So the first one is as we started. Are we there? We're there. Perfect. So this is about a year and a half ago. And there's me and Sarah and... Uh, four friends of ours and our dog, Amber. And this is how we started our little church. We had four kids as well. And then a week ago, we had our first kind of year anniversary in terms of meeting on Sunday. So this is what we look like now. Should we get to the next one? There we go. So Tom and Tinica are in there as well. And uh, we meet in a very strange little community center in the west of Rotterdam. Uh, but it's really fun. And uh, not as bad, Callum, as my notes are going to... Uh, <laughs> I thought you might have, might have read my talk. I don't know. Like, uh, but uh, that's a little pick to start off with. So, obviously, this morning, Sarah spoke about the importance of lamenting and processing pain and not ignoring that and how often God, you know, wants to take us through that sometimes to bring us into new seasons and how important that is. And this evening, I want to talk about something a little different. And uh, we're still there. And... Um, I want to talk about something else we've learned over the last four years, something else we've experienced, and something else I guess we've learned some lessons from, and I'm really hoping it's going to be helpful to you. And I want to talk about what I'm just going to call living in the gap. And that is the experience where you know God is speaking to you about something. It could be a big thing, or it could be a relatively small thing, but God is speaking to you about doing something, stepping into something you may be leaving something that you've done historically, or, or walking away from something that might have been good or bad, but God's calling you away into something new, and you know God is speaking, and you know you should make the step, but you just don't know how it's going to work out. Right? We, I'm, I'm good at following Jesus when I know exactly what he's going to do. I'm all down for that. Um, but often he calls us into like a gap. 
He calls us. He says, I want you to step into this. I've got something else for you. But we don't always quite know how it's going to quite work out. Living in the gap almost always involves some sense of risk or uncertainty around things like finance, jobs, relationships, family, housing, education. All the things we like to be in control of, often there are moments, seasons, where God says something to you, right, now I have something else, and you have to step. You're like, but I don't quite know how those things are going to work out, but you have to step into the gap. And living in the gap, I've discovered, raises all sorts of questions. Is God able to provide? Is he who he says he is? Is he good? Like, as in thoroughly good? Does he have good plans for us? Does he care about our kids? Is Jesus telling me the truth? And living in the gap is humanly hard. It's tiring when you're not sure quite how this is going to work out, but I know he's speaking to me. But it is often where the growth happens because it's in those seasons and those places where we are actively having to lean into faith right? We are actively having to go, okay, God, I'm, I'm, God, I'm going to have to trust you because I cannot see how I can work this out. Now, I'm the kind of person who likes to know how I'm going to work it out. I'm quite good at kind of solving things, yeah? The problem, I think we can fix it. Let's make a plan. And that's all good. But sometimes God calls us into things where I'm just like, I have no idea how this is going to quite work. And he calls us to step into that. And the last three years or four years for Sarah and I have really been kind of like learning to live in that place. So we decided to leave King's Church London, as Sarah said this morning, without knowing where we were going to go. We just felt it was important to make a decision to leave before we knew where we were. We just felt we'd got to make a call. So we didn't know. We moved to the Netherlands not knowing if we would have a visa because we had to get our kids into school. So we just didn't know if we were going to get given a visa. We left London and our house and moved to the Netherlands not quite knowing where we were going to end up living and living in... Uh, Netherlands is difficult in terms of finding somewhere to live. And we left a role where I was well paid. Sarah had a job and was, was paid pretty well as well. And we were moving to a country, not as well as me. Um, <laughs> that's true. Could you? That's true, yeah. Yeah, we need to talk about that. And <laughs> in fact, can we talk about that now publicly? Is that right? We're just going to model how to resolve certain issues. But we were moving into a situation where we were effectively going to take like a 50% pay cut almost. That was in real terms. We moved from a church of about 1,700 people with a staff of over 40 people to a church plant of six adults, four kids, and a dog. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that because that sounds impressive. I'm really not. Okay? That's not why I'm saying any of that to you. I'm saying it because sometimes God calls us to step into things, and it involves faith. In fact, I don't think sometimes, I think our entire life is really supposed to look like this, yeah? So we were in a very settled place, and I thank God for it. It was great in many ways. But the truth is, a lot of what I could do, and I was helping lead a church, I could kind of do out of my own kind of experience, sort of. And I'm not saying God wasn't active because he was, but there wasn't for me a lot of actively having to go, God, if you don't turn up, I'm in real trouble, right? And the last three or four years have been a lot more, God, if you don't turn up, right? And I just think we, we should have more of that in our life. And, um, and it's been great getting to know 
uh, a number of you, but I know many of you don't know me, but I'm, I'm quite good at settling. I'm very, I'm quite, you know, I quite like, you know, doing adventurous things occasionally on holiday, but, you know, basically my kind of default would be let's settle, let's like stay, let's put down roots, let's build, let's do those things, all those good. But, you know, therefore I can kind of just settle in my spirit. And yet actually God has pushed us and pushed me especially, Sarah was ahead of me, into a far more, I guess, adventurous posture in terms of faith. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And I think it's true. I think God's calling each of us into that. It affects, you know, when you become a, G- a Christian, you're basically saying to Jesus, okay, you're in control, right? I don't know how many of you have ever taught someone to drive a car. How many of you have ever had that joyful experience? Sarah, Sarah took our son out, took Jacob out, once, okay, the rest of the time it was with me, I thought, it's really great, Sarah's teaching Jacob, once, yeah, that was the first time, never again, for either of you, I think, was but obviously, when you teach a child to drive a car, there is this very significant moment where you step out of the driver's seat, round to the, and you, you, you give them the steering wheel, the keys, everything, and it's like, they are completely in control, and when we become a Christian, it's like, Jesus, okay, you, you sit, you're in the driver's seat, I'll go where you go. If you tell me to do that with my money, we'll do that. I, I, will, I will make those decisions of, in terms of relationships and housings and careers. All I'm going to follow. And often we want to take the wheel back. Yeah, you can have everything, but not the money one. Yeah, or actually this relationship, I'm really... Un- and it's like, no, 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 everything. And uh, God's calling us to make kingdom-oriented decisions. And I... I just want to say to you, I think one of the things that I've really felt God speak to me about, and I think is true for each of us, but I really sense it for you as a church, is it's because God has more for us. He has a lot more for us than I think we realize. And there's this wonderful C.S. Lewis quote where he says, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. So I want to share with you really one thing that has really helped Sarah and I, if you like, step into a posture of kind of being more on the front foot when it comes to faith. And that is very, it's a very, very simple thing, and you will already know a lot about it, but it's really that this, that over the last four years, we have sensed and believed and lent into and sought God uh, in terms of wanting to hear his voice. And we have sensed God speak to us in some fairly remarkable ways. Now, quick disclaimer, I'm not going to teach a theology of how we hear God. I know that primarily it's the word of God. I understand that. We hear it through wisdom. We hear it through prophetic. There's all sorts of ways, Okay. But I'm probably going to lean tonight into a number of prophetic things that we felt God speak to us about. But I'm aware that that is only one way that God speaks. Now, Sarah and I have good friends from the States called Steve and Cindy Nicholson. They are pastors from the Vineyard Churches. And every year they've come and kind of ministered in our church. And Luke, you've met them, haven't you? And um, we used to have them come around our house for tea with our kids. And it was always really fun. And I remember priming our kids saying, you should ask Steve a question because he's a very prophetic guy. So one of our kids said to him, uh, so when God gives you a word, how do you know it's God? And Steve just, a bit annoyingly, just said, well, you just have to bring it. And she was like, yeah, but how do you know it's God? And he goes, you just have to bring it. And she goes, but how do you know? And so this thing kind of went on for about half a minute. 
But then he said this line that I've never forgotten. He said, but I bet you anything you like, God is speaking to you more than you realize. And I don't know if my kids remember it, but I was like, oh, what if it's true that God is wanting to speak to us far more than we realize? And um, we have had had this just remarkable experience over these last few years of God speaking to us far more than we ever realized. Maybe partly because we needed him to, but I think maybe because we were listening a lot better. And uh, there's a, there's a singer-songwriter called James Taylor, a bit old school, but I quite like him, a bit middle of the road. But he talks about, he's written hundreds of songs, but he says, basically, I just heard them first. I listened. And I think sometimes hearing God is just, we have to listen. And he wants to speak to us far more uh, than we realize. In uh, Jeremiah 29, it says this, you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with, your, with all your heart. And that story that Sarah opened up this morning out of 1 Samuel, you just get this feeling of Hannah is pressing in, isn't she? She doesn't back off. She is pressing in. And uh, so let me tell you some things that happened to us. So our story kind of kicked off around July 2019 as we were pretty settled in London. And I went to a school assembly. It was our youngest son's leavers assembly in junior school. So I don't know if they do this in Scotland, but they make you go to this thing in England, which is like this just emotional, like, torturous, farewell, you know, your child's leaving junior school assembly. And they sing emotive songs, and everyone's crying and waving at the parents. It's awful. I mean, anyway, so, anyway, there was a guy behind me called Tony who used to come to our church. He didn't come to our church, and he tapped me on the shoulder during the assembly. He goes, we're chatting a little bit at the start. He goes, I feel like I've got a word for you. Like, okay, like in the school assembly. So I was like, he was a pretty kind of out there guy. So I said, can you, can you tell me afterwards? So he said, so at the end of the assembly, he said, yeah, I've got, I feel God's given me a word. I said, can you tell me when we go down to the playground? So we go down to the playground. And um, at this point, we had absolutely no idea that we were going to be leaving or anything like that. And I recorded it on my phone. And I won't take you through all of it, but he brought this prophetic word over me in the playground, which I was kind of like this, and then I'm going, checking all the other parents as they leave because I'm feeling slightly embarrassed by the whole thing. And he just said, he just started to bring this word about going, I feel God's got new beginnings for you. Old dreams are going to become new visions. There's fresh oil, fresh oil. He will give you the exact direction at the exact time. I feel God saying to you, Phil, I'm breaking you out of a managerial role, which is kind of what I was doing, into a visionary role. It's a time of release, don't worry, it won't feel disloyal. It's going to be a reset. That's an interesting word came this morning. About it. It's a new beginning. And then, and then he brought this way. He goes, I can see people with handkerchiefs and they're crying. They're crying. But God says, don't let the pain of goodbye stop you from the joy of the next mountain to conquer. And I'm, Now, I love mountains. So the word, even the wording, and I'm like, I've got, I mean, even now I've got goosebumps. And I recorded it, and even at the time it felt significant, but then in the next few months, we would listen back, and it was like, man, it's like, God knows. And it was just in a playground in southeast London after our, our youngest son's leavers assembly. And then we just entered into a season of just remarkable, like just God being so kind in terms of his prophetic guidance and speaking into our lives. Some of it was just completely at his initiative. 
like out of the blue, like that. And there were other moments where we sought it out. We found prophetic people and we said, would you pray for us? We didn't tell them anything about what was going on when we sought them out. And it felt like the more we sought them out, the more they kept finding us. And I think it was because we were just open. We were hungry. We were pressing in like, God, we need you. And uh, so this kind of went on. And so let me tell you one or two other stories. We went camping with Brett and Joe. And we were, uh, Joe's mum and dad are farmers. And we were camping on their farm with some friends. And one morning, we were just in the middle of this field. And Joe's dad comes up. He doesn't know anything about anything, right? And he goes, Phil and Sarah, come over here. Well, he knows things about farming. (laughs) He's not like completely incapable and totally incompetent. He doesn't know anything about our situation is what I meant. And he comes up and he goes, I was praying for you this morning. And I feel like God's given me a word. And he, gave, he brought this road over us, and he basically said, God's got something new for you. I think it's going to be quite scary. I think it's going to involve moving, but it's going to be okay. That was the kind of summary of it, wasn't it? And it was like, we're like, he, hasn't, he knows nothing about our situation. He has absolutely no idea. Yet in a field somewhere in Kent, this farmer <laughs> turns up and says, I feel like God is saying to you, it's going to be a bit scary. We had that word repetitively. It's going to involve moving and basically get ready. So this just went on and on. Sometimes we felt God speak to us as we prayed together, as we walked. I went, I used to run to Greenwich Park. How many of you have ever been to Greenwich Park? It's a really beautiful park in South London. It's got this great view over the Thames. And I remember being there and I ran and we were in the midst of kind of like wrestling with leaving and I really felt the pain of leaving. And I remember being running to the top of Greenwich Park and having a bit of a break as a kind of an excuse to pray, but I was like needing a breather. And I remember looking over the Thames and thinking, I don't want to leave this view. I feel really sad, God. I feel, I, feel, I feel grieved inside that I'm going to have to leave this if this is what you're saying to us. And I just felt God drop this little phrase. He said, I'll give you a new view. Just a really, I just, you know when you just feel the whisper? Just the whisper, and it's just like, I'm going to give you a different view. And I don't know if you've ever been to Rotterdam, and I'll, I will show you a picture in a little while, but there's a view over Rotterdam from the Euromast. There is, there's no hills in Rotterdam. And the view from the Euromast over Rotterdam looks remarkably like the view from Greenwich Hill over the Thames. I mean, it's remarkable. But I felt God say, no, no, I'll give you a new view. Sometimes we felt God speak to us as we just talk to wise people. We sought out people we trusted, and we would have conversations with them. And sometimes as they spoke to them, I felt, I just feel God speaking to me. Just conversationally, there's something in what they said that just felt like God's in that conversation. We spoke to friends about the decisions we were beginning to sense we should make about leaving and where we might go if it opened up. And we were trying to gauge what is their response. You know, is it, it's Proverbs, you know, for lack of counsel, plans fail. So we thought, no, we want to. And every one of our friends responded in exactly the same way. They were all like, no, no, I think I, f- I feel excited. I feel excited for you. I feel sad, but I feel excited for you. And it's interesting. There's a story in, Mar- in Luke 12 that Jesus tells about the man who builds bigger and bigger barns. You know that story? He spends his whole life accumulating, gives his life to just getting more. And Jesus goes, he's a fool because he's going to lose his entire self. But what's interesting in that story is this guy, you hear, it says again and again in the story, he says to himself, 
He said to himself, do you know what? I need a bigger barn. He said to himself, maybe I should. He said to himself, it's like he's, there's no other voices speaking into his life. The only voice speaking in his life is himself. It's an incredibly dangerous place to be. And if you want to sense God, one of the things is you need people who will speak in. You go, tell me what you think about what I'm telling you. And if, you, if someone keeps saying to you, if people keep saying to you, that's really not a good idea, you really should listen to them. <laughs> because maybe God is speaking to you through them. And this guy is just wasting his life because the only voice he can hear is his own. So we just sought out wise people. I read books about change. I felt God speak to me out of the Bible, Matthew 6. There's a passage in Matthew 6 which has been very important to me over the years about, you know, when God says, and Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things. Your Father knows what you need. All these things will be given to you. And there's just this sense of, no, 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 if you put me first, I will look after you. It's such an important kingdom principle. He says, no, 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 trust me enough with everything, and I will look after you. And we started to pick out themes that we saw in the prophetic words we're getting. There were certain themes that just kept coming through, so we started to try and sift it and weigh it. We took it seriously. We didn't treat it like with contempt, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. We wrote everything down. Sarah's got an entire book. I've got an entire book. And we knew that God was speaking to us, but we didn't know quite what, how it was going to work out. And probably the most remarkable prophetic moment happened to us when we visited Rotterdam. So in June of 2021... So two years into the process, it's a kind of like still COVID, but we're like, we've got to go and visit. We'd been asked, would you go and plant a church in Rotterdam? We're like, oh my goodness. You know, we were thinking we'd lead a church somewhere in the south of England with about 200 people in a building and some hills. And like, could you go somewhere really flat with 10 people? And it's like, and plant a church. So we think, well, we've got to go and we've got to go and visit. So we go and visit. It's COVID. We didn't even know if they'd let us in the country. So we go and visit and we have to quarantine for about five days before you're allowed out. Although it's so chilled in the Netherlands, we could have got out at any time, I think. But anyway, we, and then once we get out, we have a weekend in Rotterdam and we meet people and we meet with different leaders and we're trying to sense, is there chemistry here? Maybe this is gonna work and is God speaking to us? And it's all looking pretty good, but we're still like, God, we need you to speak to us. Well, just before we turned up in Rotterdam, about four weeks before, we had a prophetic word from a friend of ours. There's um, a girl called Sarah. Sarah Bailey, she signs all her cards, Sarah B. She used to work with us at King's. And um, Sarah's a really amazing girl. She's been very unwell for many years, but she prays for people. And she'd been praying for us. And again, she didn't know anything about our situation. So she sent us through this, this kind of prophetic word one morning, about four weeks before we visited Rotterdam. She said, I've got a picture of you. A picture of you. I see you hacking through thick undergrowth in a forest. The picture then changes to you standing on top of a mountain where you look out on a 360-degree view of the surrounding area. You can see everything very clearly in all directions as far as your eyes can see. The verse that then comes to mind as you look out on the view is Genesis 13:15, which when God says, all the land that you see I will give to you. It might be very hard for you to see where you're going at the moment, but I feel God wants to say, remind you, that you will come through it and enter a place where his plan is made very clear to you. So I thought, oh, that's nice. It's a nice encouraging word. I kind of took it a bit generally. You know, God will make it clear. It's going to be okay, right? So we go to Rotterdam. We're like, God, we need you to speak. 
on the Eurostar, we then get another prophetic word from a friend who says, I just want to say to you, I feel God's going to speak very specifically to you while you're there. Okay. Anyway, the Monday of this week, we go to the Euromars, which is a big tower. Uh, and there's, uh, I think there's a picture we can show you. It's not a very good picture. There you go. There's the view over Rotterdam. And that tower there, there's a restaurant. So we're going to have lunch with some of the other kind of local leaders there. And we're trying to kind of check out, are we all getting on? We think we are. Anyway, so we've had this word about a 360-degree view, and God's going to show you. After lunch, they say, hey, would you like to go up in the lift? And we go, okay, we didn't even know there was a lift. So we go up beyond there, we go up into a lift, and the lift, you sit in the lift, right? And uh, it's, it's, the lift is kind of built around the column of the tower, and as it goes up, it rotates. So we're going up, and we start to get a 360-degree view of the city. And I'm looking, I'm twinning to Sarah, and I'm going, do you remember that word Sarah gave us about a 360-degree view of a city? Uh, we're getting... A 360 degree, I mean, you never get a 360 degree view. You know, if you go up the Shard in London, you see a kind of, you see that, and then you have to turn around and see that. But you don't see it in one sweep. And we're sitting there going, oh, I think this is a, a 360 degree view. So we're like, okay, that's pretty remarkable. So we're kind of sitting there. Anyway, we go back down, we go down to the, you know, we, the floor, we say goodbye to everybody. And we just think, we just need to go and pray. So we say goodbye, and we go, oh, well, let's walk by the river. Let's pray. So we walk by the river, and I, I pray. And I'm like, God, if this is you, we just really need to know it's you. I mean, that was good, but I just really need to know. <laughs> I really, really need to know. That was it, right? Probably not a lot of faith, but that's what we prayed. Two minutes from the Euromast, we see a picture. We see these two boats. Now, before you put the picture up, um, the girl who gave us the prophetic word, her name's Sarah Bailey, but she writes all her cards, Sarah B., all of them. Uh, so we walk away from the Euromast, having seen this view, seemingly this prophetic word we'd had, and then we see these two boats by the river. I don't know if you can see the names on the boats. So we walk around the corner, and there's this boat that says, Sarah B, H&S Wisdom. And I see Sarah Bailey Wisdom. Or Sarah later on said to me, Holy Spirit wisdom, I don't know. I'm like, have you seen the boats? Look, there's the boats. That's the name of the girl who gave us the prophetic word on the, like about, now I know this is weird, right? And this was not what I was expecting. And I wasn't expecting God to write names on boats. But I'm like, I guess I'm just telling you because God really does want to speak to us. And this happened to us, didn't it? And we were like, I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, that's the name of the girl who gave us the prophetic word with the tower, the 360-degree view that we've just had. So, <laughs> ever. So, so we're like, okay, maybe, maybe God's speaking to us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you can tell, I'm a giant of faith, right? <laughs> so we... <laughs> so, being a man of great faith, I say to Sarah, let's not make a decision now. Let's not be too hasty, right? So, <laughs> it's true, isn't it? But I kind of mask that with a, it would be wise for us just to weigh it and go home. Really, I'm thinking, what? Boats? I don't know. So, we go home, and we, about four days later, we're sitting in our front room, and we're, we're, we're looking at each other going, okay, we've got to make a decision. Like, are we actually going for this? 
Like, are we leaving everything? Are we moving to our teenagers? Are we leaving our other two kids in the UK? Are, are we really going to do this? This is bonkers. Like, to us, it was a massive deal, right? And as we're chatting about it, in my head, I think, God, I'd like one more. <laughs> Honestly, I think, I'd really like one more confirmation. But I then dismiss it with another thought that says, don't be greedy. Right? I, I literally think, you've had enough. Okay? God's busy giving prophetic words to other people. You've had far too many already. <laughs> That's honestly what I think. Like, you've had enough, right? So I don't pray it. I don't even say it out loud. I dismiss it with my own logic. I think, that's ridiculous. Anyway, I'm not joking. The doorbell rings instantly at that moment. Okay? So Sarah goes to the doorbell. It te- it's this lady from our, one of our sites in Downham in London. We didn't know her. And she, she's here because Sarah's, Sarah's flogging some of our kids' toys. The kids didn't know but we just needed some money. So, um, <laughs> no, this is like, you know, toys when they were much smaller. So she's selling some stuff on eBay or whatever it is. And this lady shows up and Sarah goes, oh, have you heard that we're leaving? And this lady was like, no, I didn't know that you're leaving. That's really sad. <laughs> so apparently this lady actually said, oh, it's really sad because Phil's one of my favorite preachers. Yeah, good news. But apparently the reason was because she could do all the housework. While, she, while I was preaching, i.e. she didn't have to engage her brain at all while I was preaching. So didn't quite know how to take that. But anyway, she's standing on the doorstep. She goes, oh, I didn't know. That's so sad. And then she looks at Sarah and goes, uh, are you going overseas? And Sarah's like, why, why do you ask if we're going overseas? There's a lot of other places we could be going. And she goes, I, I just, I feel like, I feel, I feel like you're going overseas. Sarah gets me. Phil, come through. So I come through. I come through and she's like, Sarah's like, tell, this, tell Phil what you just said. And she's like on our doorstep beginning to cry. And she goes, I just feel like, I feel like you're going overseas. And I, I feel like God's saying, yeah, you're going to go overseas. And I've sat on the sofa thinking, just one more. I'd quite like just one more. And then ding dong, you're going overseas. So Sarah and I were like, okay, God, you got us. Like, people have said to us, oh, you're very brave. I don't feel at all brave. I just felt cornered. Like, I have, (laughs) I literally have no choice, right? I'm like, man, I just have no choice. We have to do this. But I have no, I don't really have an idea how this is going to work out, which I hate because I really like knowing how it's going to work out. I want to know we've got enough money and we know where we're going to live. And I want to know our kids and what the school's going to be like and how long the visa and what's going to happen at university costs. And my brain just goes, all those things. And God says, so you're just going to have to trust me and you're going to have to make the step. I guess we just wanted to tell you the story because I don't, there's nothing particularly special about us. I, I think God has more for all of us. And if you're anything like me, uh, we live remarkably comfortable lives often. And I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for, you know, living in the West and all those things. There's lots to be said that I'm super grateful for that, right? But, but what I mean by that is like spiritually comfortable lives. Where we want to know the plans. And God, if you tell me all the plans, then I'll make the step. But it's just not quite how it works. Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 10, freely you have received, now freely give. And God has invested gifts in you. God has given you resources. God has given you stuff individually, collectively as a church, 
I mean, it's just great being with you, but it's very evident God's put stuff in this room. And it's not just for you, right? Individually, it's not just for you. You're called to be a conduit, not a cul-de-sac, in other words. But as a church, it's not just for you. And God is calling you individually and collectively, I would say, to live far more in the gap than you probably do. Because that's where I think God has called us. And I don't want to be the only one out there, so I want some of you with me as well. Okay. Now, for some of you, it might be just like steps like, do you know what, I'm going to start giving. I've never given financially because the truth is I don't trust God with the money thing. So the money thing has been a big deal for me. And I've realized it was a bit of an idol. You know, like I was looking to it for a sense of security and we've had to step into a season where like, I just don't know quite how it's going to work out. And when we give financially, I wasn't going to talk on this, but um, let me say it. When we give financially, it's not an obligation, it's an opportunity. Right? It's an opportunity to go, okay, I trust you. It's not like, oh, I'll pay you some money. It's okay, God. It's a, it's a spiritual opportunity to trust him. For some of us, it might be literally, I will trust you with the money thing then. For some of us, it might be, I'm going to step away from that very unhealthy relationship that is holding me back from this season that God is wanting to call me into, but I just have never let go of that. And you know you need to. For others, it's going to be things like, hey, we're going to start praying for the mums and the dads in the playground. Or it's going to be, we're going to go overseas, or we're going to work with the marginalized and the disadvantaged in Edinburgh or Glasgow or Dundee or Aberdeen. Some of you are going to go overseas or missionary hospitals, or you're going to go and plant a church. I don't know what it is, but I know that God has more. And often we kind of live with a what if, but what if that, but what, how's it going to work out? But actually, I think God wants far more a why not kind of mindset. Why not? Tim Keller, who has sadly passed away in the last uh, day or so, if you knew that news, sadly. Yeah. Um, Brilliant pastor, teacher. I remember hearing him speak, and he talked about the difference between believing in God and believing God. I was like, yeah. You know, it's easy to, in one sense, it's easy to believe in God. But it's a totally different thing to believe him and to take him at his word. I'm going to say one more thing and then I'm going to tell you one more story and finish. There is no risk-free scenario. Right? So staying as we are, where we are, is not risk-free. We think this is the safe option. But actually, maybe even more risky is not finding out what God could have done. You know, what if Hannah had never been obedient? And Samuel would never ended up in e- with Eli. And wh- like, what if? Who wants to live that life of never knowing? And that's what I mean. I just felt cornered. Like, I, it's, it's more risky not to do this than to do it. I'm going to finish with one more story. Is that okay? So September 21, Sarah left. Two, two of our kids they got in the Eurostar and... I stayed around and took our daughter to university about three weeks later. And then I was going to join them. Um, And the week before I left, Sarah and I were on a Zoom call. And we're doing a course with a lady called Wendy Mann. 
And it's all about kind of like knowing God as your father and all sorts of stuff we wanted to learn. And on the first evening they had, they did some prophetic ministry. Guess who they picked out? I was like, this lady, <laughs> this lady picks out me on this Zoom call. And um, she brought this prophetic word. This is a week before I leave. I'm feeling the full pain of it all. I'm about to drop my daughter off at university, which is a brutal experience for a dad. And uh, anyway, this lady brings this prophetic word, and this is what she said. Phil, I sense God saying he's bringing you into a new season. (laughs) There are some things which you have to lay down, or have had to lay down, and are in the process of laying down, and it's a season of reprioritizing. It may have been hard to move on from your current responsibility because of the amazing relationships you have built. It doesn't say the amazing things you've done. It just says the amazing relationships you've built. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I am leading. This is in capitals. I am leading you. I'm in this, right? It's like, Phil, wake up. It's okay. You have invested well and seen fruit in people's lives, and that will go on. You may feel uncertain about the future, but have the confidence to move forward because, capitals, I am with you and I have more for you. So this is just literally a few days before we leave, I leave. And then she said, she sent it to me the next day and she put a little bit more. As I spoke this out to you last night, I sensed the Father's heart for you, Phil, and he was clearly saying, come on, Phil, it's going to be okay. Trust me. That was literally what she said. It's like, come on, like how much assurance do you need? That's like, oh, but I don't want to. Come on, Phil. It's going to be okay. You can trust me. I just thought that was so great. And it was like a few days before. God knows. He knows what we need. He knows how we feel about stuff. His call is on you. There is a lot more. And we can trust him. I truly believe it. And so, last question for me is, what is God speaking to you about? What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to let go of? What is God calling you into where you just go, I know you're speaking, but I don't quite know how it's going to work. Thanks, guys.